Well, welcome everyone. I'm impressed. This is the very first session, and you are all here at the very first session at the very first minute, so good job. And I know some of you drove all night to get here, so that too is impressive. I'm Becky McLaren, by way of introduction. I'm a family physician, and we live up in rural northwestern Ohio, probably about 40 minutes from Toledo. And my husband Judd is sitting back there. So he's a farmer, and we're really glad to be here. A couple questions for you all. How many of you are 40 and under? I see some that are definitely under there. Very good. How about 41 to 60? And 61 plus. Good. So we've got people across the, the gamut here. Some of us are more seasoned or salty or something like that than others. Um, but thanks for coming, and I hope your time here is really worthwhile. We're going to talk about second semester medical missions, and this is something that I do not have all the answers. So if you have answers, feel free to, or additions or corrections, feel free to add them. But these are some of the things I wished I would have known several years ago, and we're going to approach it from that direction. Um, sometimes God calls people to cross-cultural work when they're kids, sometimes when they're in college, and sometimes he waits quite a while and builds upon the life experiences that he's given. If you think of Noah, he waited a while before he went on the trip of his lifetime. Um, you think of Moses, you think of Abraham, and then you think conversely of Samuel, you think of Mary, think of Timothy. So God takes people of all ages and uses them for his glory, and that's really what life is to be about. It's for his glory. If you look at the picture that's up there, you'll see a bunch of young medical students from California. And you'll also see a couple who is near and dear to my heart, Sock and Andrew, and they're from Australia. And they headed over to Soto Christian Hospital in Ethiopia. Um, they're a few years younger than we are, so they were in their 50s when they went and have served very well there. And the other students are contemporaries of some of you, and they were checking things out, and we were teaching each other. So there's a lot to learn regardless of where you are in the spectrum. In terms of what we're going to try and cover today, we're going to look at the purpose of God calling us into missions, especially a little later in life, the price that's attached to that, preparation that's needed, some of the perils that you may or may not run into, if you can avoid them, you're going to be happier and probably healthier too. And some of the prizes that come from this. I have no disclosures, no conflicts of interest. My only disclaimer is I don't have all the answers, so we'll make this a two-way street. In terms of our story, why I'm here, how we got to this point, this is our crew minus a daughter-in-law and um, granddaughter, youngest granddaughter, who were not able to be there. This was just last weekend. Um, when Judd and I turned 50, and our birthdays are only 17 days apart, 
Our kids had a hundredth birthday party for us, knowing that we probably wouldn't get another hundredth birthday party. But during that time, we kind of took stock of where things were, thinking we were entering our second semester of life. The only difference between school second semesters and second semester in life is you don't know when you're entering that second semester of life. There's no time frame given, and God was wise in doing that. But in any event, we started looking at possibly serving abroad. We'd been interested in missions and medical missions for a long time and had been to Ukraine on a short-term basis and really thought that that's where the Lord was calling us. We went back there several times. And during one of the last trips there, felt the need to really focus on medical education and went back home to my little family medicine in our rural town where I'd been for about 25 years and left the practice just as it was, excuse me, merging with a very large practice and went into University of Toledo College of Medicine in the family medicine faculty with the intention of learning how to teach. I learned a whole lot more than I taught. And one of the benefits of that time of my life was that we had a very international group of residents and a fair number of students that I worked with on campus doing student health. And I could not have asked for a better preparation in terms of cross-cultural communications, um, cross-cultural values, and a lot in terms of both Hindu and Muslim belief systems. So it was a, a really rich time. We came down here to um, GMHC at the same time that the door to service in Ukraine was closing and ran into Harold Adolph and friends. Carolyn's right here now. But the door to family medicine was opening very wide in Ethiopia. The government had embraced that as something that they wanted to bring into the country. And very slowly that is happening. But in any event, through a lot more God-orchestrated events, we ended up going to Soto Christian Hospital in Ethiopia. And if anybody's interested in more, hearing more about that, there's a booth here where we'd be happy to talk with you. And so would Carolyn and Margaret. In terms of our purpose in medical missions, it's basically the same as our purpose in life, to bring glory to God to bring others to, to know him. One of the passages that has been really important to us, and particularly in this second semester, has been Psalm 90. And I don't have the whole passage here, but I have part of the chapter here. It's, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. May your deeds be shown to your servants your splendor to their children. That's our goal, is that he may be known. These are a set of triplets that were delivered there at the hospital. They had a a rough start in life and have some developmental delays, but they are doing okay. In terms of the price of entering medical missions, There's no ideal time to go. It's kind of like trying to decide when to start your family when you're in medical school. You know, there's pros and cons of any point in time. And 
So looking at the price for you may be very different than looking at the price for your next-door neighbor. But you need to count the cost, both literally and figuratively, and not just the cost of getting on a plane and going. There's a lot of other costs involved. Um, There's relational costs. There's responsibility costs. There's financial costs. There's lost opportunity costs. There's frustration costs. So you need to take stock. Um, We're called to count the cost before we embark on anything, and that is incredibly good advice. Probably the place that the costs become the most visible and the most personal to us are with family relationships. And if you sense that the Lord is leading you into anything, whether it's here or there, starting something, stopping something, please involve your family, those closest to your hearts. Um, Your parents go back generations and go forward generations. Your kids consider your grandkids. And there are seasons in your life where you need to be actively involved in their lives, hands-on. And there are seasons where you need to be hands-off and sometimes some distance is not all bad there. You'll see the Roth family, Carl and Inge with the big clan there. They're some of our colleagues from Ethiopia, and they're from Norway. And they did this very well with their family. Judd's dad is there with one of our granddaughters, Annabelle. And in March of this year, he went home to be with the Lord, just a few days shy of his birthday. We actually celebrated his homecoming on his birthday, but we cherish those times, and he could not have been more supportive of our trip and more supportive of what we were trying to live out. So we're, we're really thankful, but you need to really consider relationships there. Preparation, I think, is what everybody thinks about, and you consider costs as you continue through this, but preparation for pivoting in life, regardless of which direction you're pivoting, can be challenging. To look at these pivot points, you need to seek his will constantly through prayer. Pray without ceasing is good advice, no matter where you are in life. Devour pages and pages, primarily of scripture, but there are other things that need to be consumed by your brain as well. But you need to read. You need to really meditate upon things. And memorizing is very important, especially knowing that at some point in your life, you're not going to have the written copy or a phone copy of the word in front of you. And those those words that are hidden in your heart will sustain you and give you good guidance. And then people. Godly counsel is important. I would stay in close contact with your pastor, with your parents if that's possible, close friends. You need to have a few people that you can really rely on to give you honest feedback, to give you good guidance, and to pray with you and for you. And then in terms of the place that you may be contemplating serving, Pray for those who are already there. 
serving. Pray for the people that you will be ministering to. And you will really build them into your hearts prior to that. God works through our prayers. So I can't emphasize that enough. Finally, a passion. God plants different passions in different people. But follow your passion. If it's a desire or a burning concern that awakens you at 2 a.m., that drives your thought pattern, your reading pattern, your relationship pattern, it's probably been placed there by the Lord. So it's there for a reason. And finally, peace. He will confirm that you're taking the direction he wants you to go if you have a, a deep peace. I know Philippians 4, 6, and 7 really emphasizes that. The peace of God will protect you and guide your hearts and, and guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In terms of preparation, reading is important. If you only have three books that you can take with you, these are the three that I consider essentials. Obviously, number one is the Bible, and no matter what form, but I wouldn't necessarily rely on an electronic version as your sole source. The More with Less cookbook, this one's been beat up, been around for quite a while. I don't care which printing you get, there's been multiples since this, but this is a a godsend, literally. And finally, the Handbook of Medicine. And this is usually available down in the CMDA booth. So it's, it's important. Is that sufficient? No. But that will get you started and will provide good grounding for you. Okay, the Lord had said to someone, leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. What's fill in the blank there? Abraham. You could also insert your name there. Um, It may be a totally different land. I have no idea what the land he will call you to will look like. But that's where we landed, was at Soto Christian Hospital. That's just the ER there. If possible, go to where you're considering going. Visit where you feel the Lord is calling you. And don't just go as a visitor. Go for a short-term trip. Get to know the people that are there, both the nationals and the internationals. See how your body adjusts to the climate that you're going into. And seek the Lord's will. He will direct you there and upon return. And we honestly, like I said, thought we were going to Ukraine. We went to Liberia between Ukraine and in Ethiopia, and there are, they are both special places in our hearts, but where we landed was in Ethiopia. Some people would say, do things in reverse order, choose a mission agency first, and then take a visit. Some would say, look at the place, if you're called to a place, and then see which mission agencies actually operate in there. I can't tell you one direction is better than the other, but those are things to take a look at. In terms of looking at agencies, first off, make sure that doctrinally you are in agreement with the organization that you're going to join. Um, If you're not on the same page, 
there will be conflict among people and also conflict in your soul. So that's, that's number one. Number two, make sure the agency is ethically sound. Look back to where they've been over the years. Um, speak with people who have served with them. And you'll have a good understanding of where things are there. But that's, that's essential. And then make sure they have comprehensive preparation for you. Different agencies have different requirements, but those requirements are there for a reason. Sometimes there's a temptation to short-circuit that and say, well, at this stage of life, I really don't need all of that. Um, I think everything that we were taught, we have needed. And so there's a reason that those courses are put in there, those interviews are put in there, those health requirements are put in there. In terms of, we'll go back to that, travel, health, and logistics help, your mission board can be invaluable assistance there. Um, They have researched the best way to get there, the best way to live there, the best way to get out of there if the need should arise. Make sure that they are on board for emergencies because emergencies do happen. Sometimes people need hospitalization while they're gone. Sometimes they need evacuation. Sometimes there are family crises. Sometimes children have special needs and people need to go home. Sometimes special assistance needs to come to the field. But make sure that you've researched that before you go. You need a strong and flexible team structure, not a dictatorial team structure, but a team is essential. There's no room for lone rangers, regardless of where you go. And you need to have a good team structure involving both nationals and internationals. And there is a lot of help available for that um, in terms of books to read, um, seminars. But avail yourself of that. Um, Team dynamics make or break team function. There needs to be ongoing assistance with, through your mission agency wherever you are. Most mission agencies have meetings once or twice a year at di- in different regions of the world. And periodically, we'll, when you're back on furlough, we'll have times for you to get together as well. And then debriefing and reentry support. At some point, you will come back home, whether that's Canada or whether that's the States or someplace else. And coming back home can be as much of a culture shock as going someplace else. And you don't need abandonment there. So these are just things to check into when you're considering mission agencies. Establishment of your home team is also very important. You are only the person on the front lines. There has to be a deep support team that's equally involved with you. And I think we underestimate the importance of that oftentimes. And you need to have 24-7 people that you can notify for prayer. Sometimes there are emergencies that you need prayer support at weird hours and weird times that isn't anticipated. And a short email can be invaluable there. Even before you go, that's important. Your sending churches need to be on board. You need to have somebody that will help coordinate mailings, even if it's just email mailings, 
as you go out and as you're there and as you return. You need someone to handle your finances while you're gone. Somebody who's a a good, trusted friend. Sometimes it's better to separate this from family responsibilities, but someone who has a knack for finances and bookkeeping. And they sometimes have a pretty steep job because you have to forward your banking to them, um, any retirement accounts, taxes, things like this. You need somebody to handle your home. Some people choose to sell their home before they go. Some keep their home so they have a place to come back. Um, You need somebody to take care of the lawn, somebody to do snow removal. If you have somebody living in your home, they probably will get calls when the drain stops up, um, when the heat goes out, things like that. Depending on what you do with your vehicles, you may store them, but if you do that, you need somebody that periodically will go out and make sure there's air in the tires and will drive them. Otherwise, when you come home, your car is worth nothing. And then if you have pets, they can't be left out in the cold, literally. You need somebody to adopt them or care for them. And finally, family care is important. Um, There are birthdays that happen while you're gone. There are weddings and anniversaries. There are hospitalizations. There are deaths. And when we left, we had a good friend. I had addressed all the birthday cards, anniversary cards that I needed for a year, filed them, um, put appropriate notes on them. And then where the stamp goes, I put the date on those, and I put them in a file. This is the most organized thing I've ever done in my life because it's totally not me. But it made life a lot easier. You also need to make sure that if you've been caring for your parents and taking them to doctor's appointments, um, that there's somebody that can do things like that. Um, It's nice if there's grandparents stay at school and you can't go, that there's somebody else that will go. If there's some a birthday party and you can't go to a grandchild's birthday party, you need a surrogate grandparent to step in. Figuring in your finances sounds a whole lot easier than it actually is. You not only need to figure out how much it's going to cost to get to where you're going and to take care of food and housing there, you also have to figure out storage for things at home. You have to figure out what you're doing in terms of continuing education, finances. You have to figure out practice buyouts or sale of practice, um, a lot of things that you may not think about. So write lists and then revisit that a week later and you'll stretch and add on to that list. In terms of actual cost of living on the field, you're going to have to really rely on the advice of the people who are already there. Don't forget the price of coming home, though, too. Planning for the transitions that are occurring in life is something that's an ongoing process, but it needs to be very thoughtful. And it's very time-sensitive. When do you notify your colleagues of what your plans are? When do you notify new potential colleagues? What do you tell your patients? I found that talking with my patients was really helpful. A lot of them prayed for us helped out in a variety of ways. But a letter, if you're 
practicing medicine, a letter going out to your patients really helps clarify what they can expect and it reassures them that they're not being abandoned. We already talked briefly about boards, but timing of when you need to take boards again is important and it should happen while you're on this side of the pond rather than across the pond. Continuing education requirements, many of them can be done distance-wise, but you have to have some actual in-person CMEs, so you need to take that into account as well. Handing off church responsibilities is something that has to happen, and if you can make that transition well before you go, it benefits you and the person that's taking your place there. Housing, we talked a bit about. Um, That's going to look different for everybody. We happened to move out of the farm home that we were in, and our youngest son and his family moved there, and we bought a small house and then moved into it and promptly moved out, and a family that was on home tour from Russia moved in and stayed in our home while we were gone, and that was a win-win situation for both of us. We didn't leave the house empty. Vehicles, some people sell theirs, some put them in storage, some let the kids use them while they're gone, so just have a plan. And your community and neighborhood, really button up those relationships before you go. Finally, pets and livestock um, need to be handed off. This time of life is kind of different because you're both upsizing and downsizing at the same time. Um, You're collecting things that you need on the field, clothing that you're going to need in a different climate, oftentimes in a different place, but you're also discarding or sharing a lot of other things. So feel free to, to downsize. A lot of those things you won't miss when you come back. You'll also find that you, you'll never find some of the things you thought you saved. Studying language and culture is a major challenge The sooner you start it, the better. If you can find some people in your vicinity from where you're planning to serve and can develop a friendship with them prior to going, that's invaluable. If the language that you're supposed to be learning happens to be available locally, take advantage of that. That's not always the case. Rosetta Stone works really well for learning Russian. They don't have any Rosetta Stone for Amharic, but... Also, be aware that the Lord has built language study in as a real humility builder, especially for those of us who are gray. Um, Language learning, those of you who are in your teens and 20s, please learn lots of languages now because it only gets a lot harder. And we found that those who have learned more than one language learn subsequent languages much quicker. So whatever you can push in here, do, the sooner the better, and you can communicate quite a bit with hand gestures and smiles, but it is nice to, to make the attempt to learn, but it is a challenge. Studying, there's so much to learn before you go and while you're there. Diseases of poverty, and I think they are here, they usually are here. That course is very good. It's a hybrid course um, in terms of looking at a lot of tropical medicine, but diseases of poverty in the U.S. and other places as well, disaster preparation. And it's hybrid in that you do most of it 
online. Um, you have an online community, but you also have, a, I think it's about a week on site, and it was, was invaluable. Public health courses may or may not be real valuable depending on where you're taking the course and where you're going, but learn what you can there. Theology, continue to learn. Improvisational medicine, unfortunately, there's not a lot out there in print, but take advantage of what is out there, and a lot of it is learning by doing. And then things like plumbing and rodent control and cooking and gardening and mechanics, those types of things you are going to need. So stretch your brain. Optimize your health before you go. If you break down while you're gone, it's going to not only take you out of commission, it's also going to take your colleagues out of commission caring for you. It creates a lot more anxiety at home, and sometimes getting home is very difficult. That being said, you're not going to foresee every complication that you're going to run into. So take advantage of immunizations that are available, exercise, control your blood pressure, stay in as good of health as you can. Be intentional about learning to teach. Sometimes we don't consider that enough when we look at service abroad, but if we go and then we step out of wherever we happen to be serving, and we haven't taught. We leave nothing behind, and sometimes that void or that vacuum actually is more detrimental than if we had never gone. So plan to teach and also learn to learn. I learned a lot more than I was able to teach from the young GPs and the nurses that I worked with there. This happens to be... Carly, who's an anesthesiologist from Virginia, and she was present with us for about six weeks and worked in the OR but also taught a lot to the anesthetists that we had there. Finally, order your affairs. Before you think about going, have several visits with your attorney. Make sure that your will is clear. Make sure that things are clear in terms of your taxes. Who's going to pay your taxes? When are they due? Those things need to be taken care of. And this sounds a bit morbid, but I'd also suggest visiting your mortician and clarifying what you want to have happen when you die, regardless of whether it's here or there. Um, When we went back to Ethiopia last year, Jed opened up our dresser drawer, and the first thing he found was our card from um, Scott Greiser, who's our mortician back home, but transporting a body back can take place, but it's a big, expensive proposition. Some people choose to do that, some don't, but if you have that clarified beforehand, it may make life a lot easier for for somebody down the road. Finally, it's time to go, and it may look like the way to go is just to book your own flight and make your own arrangements. Life is complicated enough, especially at this time of life, that I would really encourage you to get a good trusted travel agent who is familiar with the challenges of medical missions. 
Um, some people take 26, 28 different boxes and bags with them. Sometimes your timeline gets rewritten in both directions. Sometimes you have to make stopovers at places in Europe. And if you can pick up the phone and call somebody who knows the system well and let that, them handle it, it's worth a few more dollars if, than trying to navigate through that yourself. The perils of being there vary depending on where you go, go and who you're serving with and what your medical condition is, but there are perils there. The first one is cultural cluelessness, and most of us can probably relate to that. I will tell you that it makes it a lot easier to relate to internationals who are on our, our back door if you've been in a place where you're culturally clueless. The first several weeks, anyway, don't say a lot. Just listen and look. Um, some good friends who served in Albania for 12 years, we were talking with them the other day, and she said that one of their colleagues, when they got there, said, don't give any suggestions for the first two years. What looks like it makes no sense to you may look entirely different after you've lived here for a while. But learn what you can before you go, and if in doubt, defer to somebody else that you can watch. And then when you are away from the setting, debrief with one of your colleagues who's been there for a while, and they can tell you what you should have said or not said, what you should have eaten or not eaten. Sometimes your stomach will tell you things like that. Health hazards, despite the best of plannings, they happen. This is Judd with a, a rash that actually developed probably secondary to Giardia. But it happens Plan for them. Immunize, and I know I've said that about three times, but that's really important. Make sure that you have a good water filter. Don't eat the veggies if they're not cooked and if they're raw. The things you've heard about do make a lot of sense. Um, traffic accidents are the number one cause of fatalities for missionaries. Seat belts aren't universal. You usually pack people in as many as you can get into a vehicle. So be careful. Um, critters will get you. Sometimes it's dog bites. Sometimes it's flea bites. But they, they will get you. So do your best to plan ahead. Also research where you go for treatment in whatever area you happen to be. Know the resources there. Most people would say go ahead and make sure that you've got medical insurance and evacuation insurance to come back because sometimes that's life-saving. Team dynamics, and this is both international and national teams. You need to work together or you're doing no good to anyone. And again, prayer is essential here. You not only pray for people, you pray with them, but... Clarification of goals is important. And realize that those who have lived their whole life there really understand what's needed. We may think something looks like a good idea, but they have the first-hand knowledge and defer to their, their judgment.
loneliness is a, a big issue, especially when you can't communicate. Uh, remember, God understands English, and sometimes he's the only one that does understand English. But having some friends who speak English is a really good gift as well. And these happened to be some friends that we had, had never met before, and we ended up living with them for a while. So God, God meets those needs, but he's, a, he's really the friend that sticks closer than a brother. And exhaustion happens no matter what situation you're in. Under the best of circumstances, the list of needs is always longer than the hours in the day. And you have to guard yourself for exhaustion. Um, Sleep is important. A good pillow and a good mattress are critical. You can get by without them for a short period, but sleep's critical. Not only guard yourself, but also guard your teammates for exhaustion. I don't like the term burnout, but it does happen. Not having your usual supplies, your usual meds, your usual resources can lead to frustration and concern. This happens to be a colostomy bag made from like a little Walmart-type bag and a piece of rubber tubing um, from a tire and then a bottle cap. So you can be creative and things work, but it's not what you're used to. Again, um, be creative. And the prizes that you'll gain from medical service, I know we go as, serv- as servants, but the benefits that you gain are indescribable also. This is one that I hadn't anticipated, is the joy of shared grandkids. Um, these were families that we hadn't known before we went. We ended up actually living with the family that Judd is with there. Um, for a while, and those kids will always be extra special in our lives. Um, the other two little girls we were with there um, at Soto as well, and that family became very near and dear to our hearts too. While you're thinking shared grandkids, though, also give others the opportunity to share your grandkids back in the States or back in Canada, wherever they are. They need those intergenerational relationships as well. New skills. Your job description when you arrive is probably not the job description you thought you were going to have. Um, Judd actually went thinking he was going to do more agricultural things, but he got involved with hospital maintenance as well and made some good friends. Um, I actually thought I was going to be doing more family medicine, but the needs when I was there were more for caring for newborns, NICU-type things, um, pediatrics. So I was stretched in a good kind of a way. There are also the things like rodent control that you may not have planned, sewage (laughs) revamping. Um, So you will come away with new skills, and some of them you will apply once you get back home. And the eternal global friendships... um, These are people that you will spend eternity with. Some of them are people that you could communicate only with a smile. Some of them were newborns who went on after a few hours of life. 
And some of them are colleagues that you spent sleepless nights in the ICU with. Um, But these are are friendships that are invaluable. I think being in the crucible of crises forges friendships really quickly. Sometimes you look at medical missions, and missions in general is a revolving door. You just really get to know somebody, and then you're saying goodbye. But you can bond very deeply, and those friendships will go on into eternity. And finally, the most important relationship and the most important prize out of service is a new intimacy with our God, uh, a greater reliance on his provisions, and a deeper love for him, realizing in a new way how very much he loved us. And I think... Here in the States, we're often a lot more self-reliant, or we think we're a lot more self-reliant than we actually are. When a lot of those creature comforts are stripped away, we have a tendency to see a lot more clearly where our reliance really should be. On a personal note, has our journey been what we expected? Of course not. We expected to be there serving now due to health issues, both personal and family health issues. We are back serving in northwestern Ohio right now, hoping to go back at some point. Um, You'll see some people with sewing machines there. That's called the RAPS Project, uh, washable, reusable, affordable pads. And two of the physician's wives realized that girls were missing a lot of school every month. And so they developed a cottage industry making affordable, washable pads for girls. And this, this was a time when they were moving into a new building. It's met a huge need, not only there in the Soto area, but throughout the country. Um, okay. Yeah, back at the Soto booth. If you're interested, this is a, a really awesome project there. Um, you, there you see Judd helping out, trying to figure out what's going on with the sewer system there. So expect your job description to change. Has it been a difficult journey? Absolutely. There were a couple days where we had three children die. Those days are days you don't forget. Um, Your hearts will never quite be the same. This little guy was was born, delivered, and I found him basically in the corner of the delivery room there in a blanket, moving a little bit. He was born extremely prematurely. His eyes were still fused. And culturally, this was a, position, uh, a situation where the parents wanted to distance themselves from this child. And we ended up He spent some time with us, and he spent some time with the pediatrician that happened to be there at the time. Um, And then, in the end, the parents did take him home, and he died in his mother's arms. But those times are, are very painful. So, yes, it is a difficult journey. Has it been worth it? Yes. There you'll see a picture of Joshua a medical student on his first day. He had had one year of medical school, preclinical training only. We were really not expecting the medical students to show up right then. 
Um, this was his first patient. This little guy, the baby's name is Gogo, and this was Joshua's first real-life patient, hands-on patient care. And we basically coded little Gogo for about five days from one crisis to another. Um, he ended up going home. He had problems with seizures, went home with seizure meds. He's there. You'll see him with his mom and his dad. Um, went home and did well. Came back about six months later and was doing very well. The parents were very thankful. They spoke and shared at our chapel service, and the baby was thriving at that point. And we went back a few years later, and the family had relocated, but the day before we came home, Dad had heard that we were there, and he drove a road in a bus six hours to come back to the hospital just to say thank you. And little Gogo there is running around and acting like a perfectly healthy, normal three-year-old. So, yes, it's worth it. Life has only two semesters, and we need to make both of them count. Questions, comments, additions, corrections? This is really quiet. Yes. So, since it was your second career, second uh-huh. semester, did you have any challenges um, finding a partnership with the whatever mission um, association to try to say, okay, this is like my career. We don't know how long we'll be able to be there, but we're going to invest or, or partner with you. Or is there plenty of that? Because I haven't looked at that in exhibitors or anything yet. Yeah, the question was, were there any special difficulties um, linking up with the mission board at, in later life? And we really did not encounter that. Um, the only frustration that we had, and retrospectively I understand it, but it just seemed like we were eating up a lot of the time that we could have been serving trying to do preparation. Um, but... They had their reasons for trying to prepare us, and we appreciate those now. But I think people appreciate sometimes the special gifts that people who are a little bit older have had. No, we don't have the stamina and the energy, but we have some life experiences that we would not have had 20 years ago. There's another comment. Yes, sir. question was, how do you engage growing children, particularly some who aren't walking with the Lord? We actually have three children and eight grandchildren as well. And it's hard for kids to let go of their parents. There's a fair number of books written in terms of, so your child wants to be a missionary, but we didn't find anything 
looking at, so your parents are doing what? And that's a, a difficult conversation to have. We had some colleagues that we worked with whose children were in a similar situation, not walking with the Lord, and they maintained close contact with them. Um, They actually had one of their, or two of their children came over as well, and I think every situation is going to be different, but I think a lot of times seeing that your parents value their relationship with the Lord enough to give of themselves at this point in time perhaps says more to your kids than what you realize. The other thing that I had to come to grips with a while back is that sometimes these things that I'm praying for for my children may not actually happen while I'm still here on earth that I will leave those things in, in God's hands. But I think obedience is important, but I think honoring those relationships is also important. And inviting them to journey with you is often very helpful. You're right. Even millennials who don't necessarily understand or embrace Christianity right now recognize the need for service and appreciate their parents doing that. knowing when to do what and what to say when with our kids, with anybody, but particularly with our kids. Other comments or questions? Yes. I'm getting more pushback from my friends who say, how can you do that to your grandchildren? And, I mean, they're so, I mean, a lot of my friends are almost, not, not, judge, not to be judgmental, but they're overly involved in their thing. Relationships with grandkids, as well as kids, as parents, is is one of those costs. In terms of our grandkids, FaceTime makes it a whole lot easier. Skype makes it easier. Um, Vonage calls. Those things make those relationships a lot easier. But I remember returning home and being concerned that our youngest 
grandkids wouldn't even know us and they met us with open arms and that meant more than you can imagine to have them meet us so your grandkids you can have an, a big impact you know they do reports for school on different countries um, they learn about the world and when they can see grandma serving in those countries they're learning about or learning those languages it can be a huge incentive to them um, that may be something that your friends have to see play out before they understand it any other questions or comments yes question was about asking support from friends and churches to go in the second stage of life and honestly that was one of the hardest things that we had to do um, but going it alone was really not an option and by allowing other people to participate they have a greater stake in things so just laying out the needs as usually brings people onto your team in one way or another and yes it it is difficult at least for us it was very very difficult yes In terms of the mission board figuring out what you need to have to live on while you're there, they will come up with numbers, and then if you can work with them and say, well, yes, that number's there, but I have this amount I've already designated for that, then they can subtract that from that. The same thing they'll do, at least most of them will do in terms of retirement accounts. If they plan to do that and yours is already funded or established, then you don't need to plan for that additional sum. There was somebody else. Yes. Well, I just want to say, I don't know this lady, but she said really amazing things that I have to agree with everything she said. And my husband and I went uh, relatively early on in our career with three little kids, and after eight years, we ended up coming back from the oldest was in secondary school. He taught in the medical school for 13 years, before we felt the way open to go back. So we went back mid-career. And what we found going back at that second semester was it was an amazing difference. And the only thing we didn't touch on, and you did a little, when you go back with gray hair, anywhere but here, you get so much respect. And if you taught in a medical school, like she said, she went and did to help her prepare, that was also another plus. Like, to be called professor is, like, way higher than being a doctor for me. Mm. And so both those things, like, really, really helped. In our case, we also had that history of knowing our colleagues when they were practically children. You know, and now they're our colleagues. 
But um, that's something I think that second where people don't think about here is you have that knowledge that you mentioned that also you will very quickly get respect from the people you're working with. And so to go and teach, it's, it's wonderful. Thank you. Well, I think it's about supper time. So thank you all. And if you have additions, please add those. Um, if you want to stop by the soda booth as well, there will be people that have great insights there for you. Thank you much.